Hey guys, Spacey here, and welcome to Cora's podcast, Filmmaking Actually. Today we have a special guest, Sarah M. Pennington. She's a film school graduate from the Savannah College of Art and Design with a major in film and TV and a minor in business management and entrepreneurship. Sarah is also a motivational speaker who advocates for mental health and invisible disabilities. She shares her inspiring story of bravery and self-love while traveling across the United States with her service dog, Daisy. Sarah has appeared on the Megyn Kelly Today Show, which is pretty exciting. But what's even more exciting, dare I say, is that she has appeared on Filmmaking Actually. When, you might ask? Well, right now. So, there's that. So, here is Cora and Sarah's conversation in its entirety. Enjoy. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for being here with us today. Hi, Cora. I'm super excited to be here with you. We've talked a lot about various pros and cons of higher education in the world of film. Obviously, we both have very diverse uh, backgrounds in that you are a fully accredited, certified, licensed practitioner of the art of film. <laughs> And, you know, there's a lot of pros and cons of going to film school. While I want to talk about the benefits of being a film student with that business insight, I guess start in the negative so we can end in a positive. Um, what's sort of the biggest kind of negative and then what's the biggest positive? Why should, if somebody was going to go, what's probably the biggest thing they could get from it? Yeah, so I think I actually want to start off the conversation just by giving the audience a little history of my personal journey through school. I graduated high school and I had absolutely no intentions of going to any art school whatsoever. I ended up with a full ride to a liberal arts college in Maryland and it was fantastic for the first few years. It was exactly what I needed when I was graduating high school as well. But after my sophomore year, I really realized that I had a passion for filmmaking and I wanted to pursue it seriously. But the very small cinema program that this school had just wasn't giving me the skill set and the tools that I felt I needed to be able to be successful in that industry. And so I started looking at film schools that had more of a prestigious reputation and had equipment and resources and things that my school that was using camcorders just at that time didn't have. So I did transfer to the Spano College of Art and Design and was there for three years. So I was in college for five, ultimately. But it was it was actually a great decision, uh, despite COVID and that playing a role that I never, ever expected. I always like to start, you know, positively and optimistically. And I think one of the best things about it was the, the resources, both the physical resources and the interactions and the people that I met. I would never have been able to use some of the equipment that I was given the opportunity to use in film school if I hadn't gone to film school because they get you hands-on experience. They let you learn the ropes. Um, there's camera operating classes. If you want to be a DP, they have those classes specifically for you to learn from the start and then you go higher and higher and then you're touching red cameras and things like that and things that as an indie filmmaker, you might not always have the opportunity to touch. So I think that is a big thing. And then just the resources of the people, the professors, the people that you meet in your classes, the other students, that's an invaluable resource. I think that it's just a given. And you obviously can meet amazing people anytime and anywhere. But this is kind of just a curated, pre-selected and already in this situation when you enter into school. Which was a really great thing for me as someone who comes from a background of scientists and engineers who have absolutely no idea what the filmmaking world entails. So I didn't have a community uh, in my life to begin with. I think the biggest con is that you're learning other people's methodology. And so sometimes it's hard to experiment 
especially if you are being graded on something, you have to pursue an assignment and check off certain boxes. And you may say, well, it'd be really cool if I wanted to do this. And yes, you could do a passion project on the side, but film school requires a lot of time, a lot of energy, and you have to focus on these projects. And sometimes those projects are, are very restricting. And then I think another con that's worth mentioning is along with pre-selected assignments, your pre-selected crew. And you may be very passionate and very get out there and get going. But the person next to you may not have that same attitude. And so you may realize that the crew is not up to the par or the bar that you're setting for yourself. And as we know, filmmaking is 100% a collaborative effort. So when you have those weak links, it, it can be pretty detrimental and quite frustrating. That's really interesting that you said that about having to check off certain boxes and working with people who maybe aren't in the same head or heart space that you are in, which is kind of like interesting from a perspective as a filmmaker and as someone who's worked in many different worlds of film, both Hollywood and independent. When you get a film picked up by another production company, you have to kind of do what they say and you have to work with their crew. And on a lot of bigger pictures, on a lot of studio projects, their methodology is a bit more formulaic. It's kind of interesting to me to hear that because I'm like, I guess film school could be beneficial for someone who's going to be taking a route of a more studio situation where you're looking to kind of go into the rat race and know how to check those boxes, know how to take their creativity and sort of put it into a little sphere and make it go into the right jar or whatever. If someone is, let's say there's a high school student listening to this, I know there's a lot of um, teachers actually who use this podcast. Yay. Um, so <laughs> uh, let's say there's a high school student listening to this or even not a high school student, just a, a human being who um, is looking at pursuing a career in film and wants to go to film school, what are some things that they should consider before deciding to go to film school or not go to film school? I think one of the biggest elephants in our room is you kind of have to look at your financial situation. At the end of the day, college is an expense and I'm very blessed to have a family that was willing to support me. Um, like I said, I had a full ride and they understood that while I was giving that up, I was also going to be investing in my future. And if you are in a position where you have the ability to do that, these are the things to consider. Now, if you're not in the, the ability to invest, it's not the end of the world, um, but film school might not be the opportunity for you. So money aside, uh, moving past that, I think, you know, for me, one of the biggest things was looking at film schools was like reputation and then location. Because I was coming from a college that was very small and had a cinema program, but we had, and I mean this quite literally, one active alumni, it didn't have the network that I was looking for. So being able to look at a school and say, this has a reputation and it has active alumni ensured me that I was going into a program where I would find that network that I was really hoping to find. And the second thing is location. You know, I knew that in my specific situation, New York and LA were not places that I wanted to go. And so and those were places that were also out of the question for film schools. And there are some fantastic film schools not in those cities, but you have to know going into it when you're looking at film schools, do you want to go to a city? Do you want to be in a smaller town? Like any other normal questions you do after college, this is the same things you're asking for film school. Do you want to do online film school? Do you want to do in person? These are all valid questions and they have all pros and cons. Well, you have to know what you need and also what your learning style is. That's all really valid. And the 
learning style is also a really important thing to keep in mind because not every professor teaches the same way. Not everybody addresses things the same way. I know that one of the things that we talked about when you were interning with us was in film school, you are an unpigeonholed filmmaker, but they kind of have requirements for tracks where if you're going to take track X, you can't take specific other classes. If you're going to take track Y, you can't take specific other classes. And our current intern actually is in a similar situation in that the track that she chose has the widest overview because she's doing more of a producing track and you have to be familiar with everything, but then you have to be becoming, is that proper grammar? Then you have to be becoming a, a producer in order to have that. And that's a very specific program. Like she's on an 18 month bachelor's program which is very intense. <laughs> and the fact that she's like interning with us on top of that is a little mind blowing to me. But I guess my question is, what are some things that people should either know or consider or take into account with regards to the sort of very focused training lineups that are offered? And do you see this as a positive thing, a negative thing, etc.? I think with everything, there's pros and cons to this. And I... I think it's a great thing to bring up when you are thinking about film school because it's one of the things that I had to think about because I was transferring. And so there were some schools that said, you know what, none of your credits will transfer. You will have to be in the four-year program because we want you to take every single class through our professors and our program. And for me, that was a little much. So I said, okay, if you're not going to take any of my credits, then this isn't for me right now. Obviously, if you're starting out at the beginning, not an issue, but it was a lot because... I had a lot of, you know, of like math and reading and the basic stuff. And I just, I wanted to continue sort of where I left off. And then there are programs that'll like, you have to decide like year one, like I want to be a DP, I want to be an editor, I don't, whatever the track may be, you have to decide like immediately. Some programs offer you flexibility. Um, specifically at SCAD, there is essentially unofficial tracks because you're not going to graduate and your diploma will say film and television degree with the specialization in XYZ. But the way the tracks work out and the way the senior program works out, you kind of unofficially choose between director, producer, DP, and editor. And those were kind of the three opportunities that you had there. But if you didn't really know that, then it was really hard to craft your experience the way their mindset worked. It's almost like an unspoken rule, which is really weird. I wish it was more laid out. If you know when you're going to film school and you say, I really want to learn editing and that's why I want to go to film school, that's fantastic because that allows you to look for a school that has an editing program that's really strong that allows you to look into that. Another thing that I looked at when I was looking at film school was I'm not really big into the theory part of film. It's just not something that draws me in and makes me want to sit down for five different classes to learn about it. So I stayed away from curriculums that were really heavy on theory. But if that's something you're interested in, again, look at that curriculum. Look at what the classes are. Are they interesting to you? Are they things that you want to learn, you want to know more about? If yes, that's probably the correct curriculum for you to pursue. And then my last piece of advice on this topic is the undecided folks like myself going in. I knew I wanted to be a filmmaker and that's about it. I knew probably not DP. I didn't really want to be touching the camera all that much, but I wanted to know the basics on everything. So look at a curriculum that allows you to kind of explore a little bit. And I will say as much as it's frustrating that there's certain paths where you can't take other 
exploratory opinions. I'm also not in college for 10 years, so I get it. <laughs> so I think SCAD did a pretty nice job because you were required to take like pre-production, production, post-production. So you did get that basic overview of everything. And I, I liked that part of it. My personal experience was a little wonked with COVID, but you know, at the end of the day, I still got the whole well in caboodle with the basics. That is something that like my film learning experience was 1000% practical. I didn't even know how movies got made at all. And then I was watching something that one of my friends had PA'd on and she was like, oh, I opened that door. And I was like, you can do that. I ended up being a PA over a summer once sort of by luck randomly. And then years later, working in event production, getting in with like the stage crew and set construction and then rigging and then lighting and then camera. Like I kind of like moved in that direction and everything that I did was all very hands-on and it was sort of like a shorgish word of information. I would PA for a little bit with my makeup friends or I'd PA for a little bit with my wardrobe friends. I got a lot of access to the different departments and I could find, oh, makeup's fun. That's totally not my thing. Like, I'm not a makeup person. <laughs> um, even for like fancy red carpet events, I wear like mascara and maybe eyeshadow if it's super black tie. <laughs> I miss it. But I mean, it's fun. And I think it's, a, it's an art form. It's just not my art form. It allowed me to try everything and say, I like this. I don't like this. I, you know, which was really helpful because I knew that I loved art department and I wanted to be a production designer. And that was kind of where I ended up landing for a long time. And then when the day came for me to direct, I had this extensive background. And as a producer and stuff like that, one benefit, just from what I'm hearing you say, of actually going to a more codified, an institution of learning, um, <laughs> is you get that learning experience where they someone who's been through it kind of figures out okay we're gonna go a b c d and you're gonna go a b c d and then you go through that path it also i think largely depends on your learning style like you mentioned like what is that good for you is that not good for you i know you mentioned the cost as a sort of elephant i think the job afterwards is also a little bit of an elephant in that I know many film school graduates who don't work in film. I also know film school graduates who are now like multi-Emmy winning TV producers. For me, the, the most like reaffirming thing about the fact that I'd not gone to film school when I was already making film, Joseph Gordon-Levitt actually was going to Columbia and dropped out because he was spending all his free time making movies. And I mean, obviously he was already Joseph Gordon-Levitt, so it's not like he didn't have access to making movies, but you know, he, he'd quit acting to go to film school and, and this is something he wanted to pursue and learn more about. And he was like, I'm literally having to work around my classes, teaching me how to make movies so that I can make movies. And that's sort of illogical. And he saw that and he was like, forget it, you know, and he went a multi Sundance screened director. He's won Emmys. He's been nominated for Emmys, but he also had more of that hands-on experience. And I know we've talked about the time I met Taika Waititi and I didn't feel justified to stand in his presence of greatness, but for him to be spending time giving me advice, like as if I was somebody who knew what to do with that advice. And I, I told him, I'm like, I kind of feel like I don't deserve this conversation right now like i didn't even go to film school and this was before covid he just leaned in and he goes neither did i that was it i was like what and then like i don't know how many like two years later he's winning an academy award i think for me it's important that people know you don't have to go to film school <clears throat> but 
you also don't have to not go to film school. <laughs> like there are some people who I know look at film school as a guaranteed path to success or as a guaranteed access to a network or a guaranteed access to a job. What work expectancy should people have as far as the amount of work that it will take for them to find a job? And then how easy or not easy is it, I guess, to get work? You know, speaking from someone it's October, I graduated in June. I'm only a few months out. So I, I think, you know, it's it's still evolving. But I, I think graduating from any degree does not guarantee you're going to go into that degree I have an aunt who I think it's really funny because she studied like teaching and music stuff and is it's not her job, which is fine. It's totally fine. She's just that's not where her job is now. And it's the same thing with film school or any type of school is maybe you find out I'm not actually as passionate about this as I thought I was. Or maybe this isn't what I want to do 24-7 or whatever it may be. That's okay. And it's a reality for a lot of people. So if that's the path you find yourself on, you're not alone and you're totally valid in that feeling. But also don't go into film school and say, yeah, I'm totally going to come out of this with a job at Disney Animations and we're going to be making the next Encanto. It's going to happen. Like, it's, that's not realistic. I think one of the great things about film school is you are meeting a lot of people who can get you those opportunities down the line. And it's not going to be right away if it is congratulations you are very lucky and have a fantastic opportunity that you need to snatch right away but reality is not most people are going to have that opportunity so you meet these people and maybe 10 years later and your facebook instagram twitter linkedin unknown social media that doesn't exist quite yet you see them and they're looking for a post or you call them up and say hey how you been they say yeah you know i'm great i'm looking for an editor you say oh i just finished my last job do you want to work with me sure there you go. You have a job. And it's just because you knew that person and they knew you and you connected during film school and you had a bond. But that doesn't guarantee right out of film school you're going to be working in a fantastic job. You most times are going to be starting from a lower position and working your way up. And I think film school teaches you that reality is going into it. I think a lot of people expect to be able to jump right up to the top of the pyramid. And pyramids are little steps that you take. That's how life works, too. So... I think it's a good reality check is you have four years to figure out that you can't start at the top. And then after four years, you're like, okay, I'm ready to start at the bottom because that's my only option at this point. And that's okay. I think that's a really healthy mindset. I won't go into it here, but like I had my whole career and then kind of died and then had to start all over again. And it's very interesting to me, even like when we're interviewing people for different positions, like we were interviewing, I'm trying to think if it was for a production assistant or if it was for our internship. But I remember there was somebody who I was interviewing who was literally like telling me how to do my job, <laughs> like in the interview. And it's fine. I mean, we've hired uh, people at a production assistant level who've ended up getting like associate producer credit on the film just because of what they brought to the table. But it's also important to understand that in a perfect world, the people at the top have earned that place. Even the onset experience of a film set that's run through a school versus a real world there's like an investor or a client or your job like your rent is going to get paid or not get paid depending on if you get paid from this job or not i tell myself that i'd rather be on set worrying about that than be standing behind a mcdonald's fryer worrying about that but 
every job you do is to produce something in exchange for a paycheck that you can then use in your life. The Emmy-winning producer who I mentioned, he started as a production assistant. Very talented, super brilliant guy. He was in a, a show that I was choreographing. Um, he's also like a musical theater person. And um, unfortunately, he had to drop out of the show because of how things were going at the studio he was paying at. He was doing so well, they just kept giving him more. So he had to drop out of the show, which was awful but for us, but great for him. And he moved up to associate producer and then producer. And I forget how many years I've seen him on the Emmy red carpet now because he was willing to do the work. That is really important to understand, no matter whether you go to film school or not. I say it all the time. Filmmaking is hard work, both psychologically and potentially physically, very demanding. I think the people who thrive are the people who are willing to do that work whether it's because they graduated and have a great network to support them or because they're sort of forging their own path. I don't think that anybody can look at anything in film unless you're like in a super privileged position with a massive amount of money at your disposal and someone's just going to drop a million dollars in your lap and say, go make a movie. Unless you're in that position, I don't know anyone. And even in that position, we once had someone come to us wanting us to recut a feature film because it just wasn't cut to a commercial distribution level and they were trying to sell it and they were interested in it but it was very art house and they basically wanted to completely rewrite the script like they wanted to change things about it to make it something else we said no because the director wasn't involved and i didn't feel comfortable doing that literally the way the movie got made is that person had a wealthy relative who just dropped a ton of money in their lap and sent them off to go make their movie. And unfortunately, they didn't have the business side or the general film world knowledge to make a film that would be marketable in a way that relates to audiences. It was, the film was a little confusing. If you could give someone advice, they want to be a filmmaker. I know you kind of, you took the editing track, right? If I remember correctly. Yes, I took the editing track. I, I thought that was going to be the effective use of my time was the editing track because a lot of technological stuff involved with that. Yeah. And I feel like for something like editing, I guess is also like camera in that it's very important to know like how to use the different programs. Like you can you tell me a little bit about what you learned because I feel like that's a little more technically specific than, say, directing or acting or whatever. Yeah. So that's exactly why I, I was between the editing and the directing track. And I have interest in both. But I knew that the editing track would teach me a lot of technological stuff that if I didn't take that, I would have to learn on my own. And it didn't make sense to do that because a lot of directing is... There's some basic overall directing stuff, but a lot of it's uh, opinion and different styles and editing at a very basic level is this is how you edit. It's how you use the program and things like that. And so that's the track I ultimately chose. SCAD heavily focuses on using Avid Media Composer because of its prominence in the industry and how long it's been around and things like that. And it's also probably the most difficult software to teach yourself outside of film school. So I think that's a smart move on their part. Um, we also did a little bit with Premiere, very, very basic stuff. And then Scott also offered uh, After Effects through the motion graphics degree, but you'd have to take a class specifically for that. So a lot of Avid and then some DaVinci with finishing and color grading and all that fun stuff. But with Avid, we learned like from the very beginning, getting the project started, 
creating it, making proxies, the organizational structure on hard drives, making the edit to exporting it, finishing it, deliveries, turnarounds, all that fun jazz. And then we also had a course that I was actually really lucky to be taking the first round of the assistant editing course. And so we got taught, you know, like some scripting stuff and different things that were specifically involved for assistant editors that involved Avid. And then another cool opportunity that comes with going to film school was if I did not go to film school, I would have had to pay to do this. But through film school, I was able to do the Avid certification program and become Avid certified by taking the tests and going through all of that thanks to my professors. So that was a really cool opportunity as well. And that's just something that future employers can look at and say, oh, this person took the time to actually become certified and is quite serious about this. You know, if you don't have it, you don't have it. And I've heard a lot of people say they're not looking for it specifically when they're hiring, but it's just that extra bonus of, you know, this person's serious. When it comes to technical stuff, it does help to have some sort of certification because like if someone wants to edit for us uh, or even like graphic design, like we hired a graphic designer once who gave us this website. It was gorgeous, like beautiful, beautiful design work. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And we had our budget set and we were ready to hire them. And we sent over the instructions for the first graphics we needed. And it was supposed to be like on paper and like look this specific way. And literally what we got was something that looked like it came from MS Paint. It was a white square with like blue drawn lines with like a pink line, like the margins of a paper, but like literally like just like not even drawn, but like just use the rectangle box, like make the little things. And then the text was like a brush script in neon pink, like handwriting, quote unquote, like it's just a look like like very organic. And those were the all the colors. It was just pure white background, teal lines with the pink margin line, and then hot pink text like written over. And I was like, "What is this? Like, this does not. It was look like a handwritten note on notebook paper." And I was like, "What happened?" And then they were like, "Oh, okay, sorry, I misunderstood." Then they went and did it again and gave me like the exact same thing. And I was like, "You don't know how to use like any design program, do you?" And you can't lie about that. Like, you just can't. We ended up going in a different direction. Um, and we love what we ended up getting. But like, even for us, like knowing, like, you know, Premiere, I can give you files and know what I'm getting back. <laughs> like, and it does. Having access to editing programs can be expensive. And having those student discounts can let you kind of at least get familiar with the different tools and the different programs and software and stuff like that. Um, and you talked about like getting hands on like a red or on black magic or whatever, Alexa, like no one in their right mind is going to hand an intern an Alexa. <laughs> like that's just not going to happen. But if you're at film school and they have that equipment there, that's a good opportunity. I think those are all really good reasons for people on more technically specific paths, even though the technology is always updating. I mean, one of the things I've heard with Avid is that a lot of people like it is because it maintains a lot of the legacy programs. Um, so when you look at it, it's not going to be as like user friendly as DaVinci or Premiere or anything like that. But that's because it has kept a lot of the legacy programs throughout the years so that even if I haven't used it in five years, I can go in and say, oh, this is pretty close to what I'm used to some small changes but i think that's why a lot of people like it is it, it doesn't have as drastic updates as some of the other programs that are targeting um 
more the younger generations and self-taught generations, I think. Yeah. Um, I mean, I actually learned most of my heavy hitting editing on Avid and I'm, I've, I haven't used it in years. I'm very curious like what it'd be like to go back. But I went from, I want to say, Windows Media Maker and iMovie over to Final Cut to Avid, back to Final Cut to Premiere, short of like keyboard shortcuts. There's really not a lot of difference. Like I used to be like, oh, I love this over that. Um, I was, I was, I was very much in love with Avid when I was using it. And I remember talking to someone about it and they were like talking about how much they love Final Cut. They're like, well, why do you love Avid? And I was telling them and they said, I can literally do all of that in Final Cut. And I was like, really? Um, and then when I started using Final Cut, I was like, oh yeah, you can do all of this just as easily. So I think that being precious about which program you use, maybe is not the best idea. And I think that having a film school opportunity to look at all the different ones. And you can also find the one that you like the best, like if you're going to be a freelance person, but it does help whoever, whatever your client uses. We have someone coming in that uses some random program I've never heard of before. Um, at screen, screen X or screen something or other. Um, it's like a screen recording slash editing program, which is awesome. I didn't even know that exists. That's really cool. But I was looking, I was like, can I even open their project file in anything that we have? <laughs> um, so it helps to be like, oh, I can open your file. I can open your this or whatever. But personally, if you like, I want to be an editor. I want to be a DP. Short of getting an opportunity to hands-on work on that type of stuff, I can't imagine not having the opportunity to go to film school and and learn. And also when you're looking at film schools and if you want to do, you know, DP or editing, it, it's worth asking them, what program do you use? Because I know I would always ask, I would say, what program do you primarily use for your editing software at these schools? Because that also kind of gives you an idea of where their mindset is. Um, you know, if they're teaching Avid, they're probably a little bit traditional, but they're they're willing to kind of teach you some hardcore stuff. If they're using Premiere, they might be a little bit more open with their opportunities. Again, you know, if you have a desire to learn something specific, like say if you want to learn Avid and they're not using Avid, that's a missed opportunity because you didn't ask the question on what are you using? Same thing with DPs. Like if you want to learn a specific camera, do we actually get it hands-on? Is it only for grad students if you're an undergrad? You know, things like that are important questions. Um, and then just speaking of cameras, because you mentioned it, you know, as an editor, it's also worth knowing what cameras your DPs are using because if they're using a, diff a lot of different types, that means you're getting experience inputting a lot of different things, a lot of different products and proxies, how to work with it. Sometimes you get something and you can't even open it on your computer without a specific software. And if that's your first time running into that opportunity, then it could be a little scary. But when you're in film school, you're usually going to have someone to work through it with you, your professors, your fellow students, whatever it may be, and that can help you out in broadening your horizons. So if you become a freelancer or something like that, and you come across something you've never seen before, you have more of a toolbox of problem solving versus if you had just stayed in a very specific, like, I work with this program on this type of camera, and that's all your experience. And maybe a little bit more of a culture shock when you step outside that box. That's really important um, because there's some things that you can kind of fake until you make it, but other things like not having the software to open the program and not even knowing what software you're to open the file and not even knowing what software you need when there's a deadline and there's a client waiting and the you know you're getting paid. It's kind of like ah about that. <laughs> that that's a really intelligent question to ask before looking at a program, a, a school program. 
So we talked a little bit about the fact that you um, also studied business as part of going to film school. People wouldn't necessarily think to put business and film together, yet there is no more natural pairing that I could possibly think of. What was that experience like for you? It was, you know, I think it's really valuable. I will preface the fact that I already had an interest in doing business prior to it just because I'm very uh, philanthropically inclined. (laughs) I'm very interested in philanthropy and working with nonprofits and things like that. That's one of my passions just in general. So it made sense, obviously, for me to do business and film. But I think a lot of people, like you said, aren't going to necessarily dive into that. But they're missing that opportunity because whether you're going to be working with a large corporation or you're going to be working with a really small production company, having a knowledge of business just allows you to have a better understanding of the world that you're in. Because at the end of the day, a lot of film happens because of money and because of connections. And these are things that you really understand how they work and why they're happening the way they're happening when you take these business courses. And I will give props to SCAP because we did have a required course that worked really well for me hitting both my boxes, but all the film students had to take it and it was a management and the creative environment. And it was a really great course because management is stereotypically associated with business, but managing people is literally any discipline ever it's just who's who's above who and so when you have an understanding of how that works and why different management styles work with different people and people interacting with people you have a better understanding of the world and without that i think a lot of people would miss different interactions or miss opportunities because they just didn't have that basic knowledge and i could see light bulbs glowing off in that class when the teacher was speaking about things Because she did a really great job of intertwining it with our creative programs and our disciplines outside of the business world. And so when you're able to marry creatives and business, you're just setting people up for success versus kind of letting them dangle (laughs) and not have a full knowledge of how our world works. Yeah, that's because I always look at it from a film business side, but you're right. Like if you're a department head, on a film set, you have to manage the people below you. Like you have to run that department and that takes managerial skills, which may or may not have anything to do with your creative skills or your technological abilities. That's that's rich. I like that. Um, awesome. Well, I won't dive down the business rabbit hole. Um, we'll go back to some film questions. You've directed like a feature, like an indie, you know, a indie feature, but yeah, you had done that before film school, right? Like before yep. you, yeah. <laughs> so, um, you had a little bit more, probably way more actual on-set experience as a director. Most people don't go to film school having already directed a feature film. Kind of what are your thoughts on that? And um, obviously, I have my absolute biased opinion on film school for being a director or not. But um, I I think it's important for people to hear different sides of it. So, yeah, your, your, your thoughts. SCAD has the curriculum set where they'll have like, I don't know, like five courses and like take two of these and you have to take two to meet the criteria. Now, there's a option that we can dive into a rabbit hole that I'm not going to. But basically, they had there's like choose two of these courses and they had options very specifically for DPs and very specifically for directors. And then the editors didn't really have a ton of options between them. So we kind of had to choose essentially directing because none of us had the credentials to even touch the DP classes at that point. They were pretty high-level ones that needed 
extra camera certifications. I ended up in this course for directing, specifically for narrative filmmaking. And it was really interesting, even though I knew at that point that wasn't my track or where I wanted to go at SCAD, I learned a lot because this was a professor who dived a little bit into theory, also kind of just like some basic processes of directors. And I took full advantage of that course because it gave me the opportunity to get into a mindset of a director and learn things that I should be considering, thinking about behind the scenes, preparations, all this stuff that I had not done in the past that are they necessary? No, 100% not. But I can see the value. I can see where they would have helped me in the past as well. And so even just having the knowledge to, you know, whether I take it or leave it is a different story, but having the knowledge and the information that I previously didn't have I think there's a huge benefit to that. And, you know, that was a class where you had to put a lot of time and energy into it. So if you were there for an easy A, that was not the class to take. But you learned a lot. And that was really, really fantastic. Um, and I think any director at the school should at least have one class with that professor because very intelligent. What were some of the things like without obviously going into the full like syllabus, what um, were kind of like the key bullet point factors of it that you felt as a director who already had directing experience where you were like, oh my gosh, this is vital. Like what kind of topics or whatever? There was a few assignments where we learned about, um, you're not the cinematographer, but you need to have a vision of how you want the cinematography to work, like looking at angles and even just like not crossing the line, 180 line, like just even basic things that sometimes you just don't know about if you haven't done a ton of film stuff, but also getting into the mind of your character and fully understanding your character um, authentically was really important. And he encouraged us, you know, if you're doing a film about someone who is an alcoholic and you're not an alcoholic and don't personally know an alcoholic, go interview an alcoholic and see what how they would generally react. And is your character reacting the same way they would? And if not, maybe this character that you're trying to bring to life isn't actually an authentic character and it might be worth revisiting how you're approaching it. And I think it was just very valid points of making sure when you're directing you have the full understanding of the film you want to bring to life. Versus a surface level that I think a lot of people are guilty of their first film because they just want to jump in and try it, which is fantastic. But if you want to get somewhere like really high level, I think you need to have that full understanding of the film and all the criteria that's going on than just that basic. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, as a director, that's vital. Like, <laughs> And as a, a, a person of multi- multi-hyphenated reasons when it comes to representation i think that having that background and bringing an authentic character to life you have to understand that character um and I, it's my opinion that you should have somebody actually on set for the most part who is part of your creative team if you're going to be telling a story about something that's that involved but i also think people have the right to tell the stories they want to tell and they should just do their homework and do their research so i love that 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 professor is my new favorite <laughs> i love that they're teaching that that's awesome. Is there anything else that you would think, you know, if someone is kind of considering this, do I want to go to film school? Do I have to go to film school? What's kind of like a, a takeaway that you would like? If you could tell the listeners anything, what would it be? <laughs> I think on the topic of film school, it's not a requirement 
to go to film school to be a filmmaker. If your only interest in film school is that you think you need to check that box, then there's no reason to go to film school. My drive going to film school was that I love learning and I wanted to learn as much about this discipline as I possibly could prior to diving in because I had literally no background whatsoever on it. And it was a great opportunity for me to understand it as much as I could before going to the industry. And that was my driving factor was wanting to have an education. But at the end of the day, it's not going to be your make or break moment. Your make or break moment is ultimately going to be your attitude and your drive to succeed in the industry. Every single person that I have heard interviewed through guest speakers or anything like that, it's always, I showed up on set or in the office, I worked hard, I made people feel good, I was a nice individual, and that's how I succeeded. And that is the consistent storyline that gets people really far in the industry. And that's what I really hope people take away. I also hope people remember that it doesn't matter whether or not you went to film school. You can always Google. <laughs> Google is always your friend. I Google stuff. My professors Google stuff. You know, the, that's the two big takeaways. Google and be you. That's that's how you get through life right there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I always ask this question whenever I do panels and I was thinking, as an aside, you're making me want to now just do a, a straight filmmaking actually panel like where I get a bunch of film school graduates and we just have or film school students like a mix and we just have a conversation about film school people who went and graduated forever ago people who are going anyways I may do that down the road but um the question that I ask and you may have sort of answered it is if there was one question that I could have asked you in this or that you would like for me to have asked what is the question and then what is the answer to that question uh I think the question that you could have asked was, you know, if I would go back and change my journey, my answer is always going to be no. But as someone who gave up a full ride to go to film school and then two quarters into it was hit by COVID, my experience was not at all what I expected it to be. But even if there hadn't been a global pandemic, I can guarantee you it wouldn't have been what I expected it to be because it's never, ever going to be how you anticipate things going. Uh, I didn't even think I was going to fully embrace the editing track at the beginning of my film school journey, but I found that that's really where my passion lied uh, for the period, and it's still something I'm hugely passionate about and absolutely love editing. And I think that if you were willing to kind of go with the twists and turns of life and be open to any opportunity, whether it's a big or small opportunity, then when you go into, whether it be film school, your next job, your next career, whatever, you you have the advantage of say yes and then move forward because it's never ever going to be what you expect it to be. But most likely that means it's going to have something way cooler than you ever anticipated down the line. And that's the cool part about life. <laughs> I love that. Thank you so much for your time, Sarah. I really appreciate you uh, being here with us. And I know 
Uh, we talked about doing this episode forever, so I'm glad that we finally <laughs> got it done. Where uh, can people find you if you have uh, social media that you'd like them to follow? What would be uh, the best way to find you or to support? Can I say that you're also like a multi-crowned pageant queen with like amazing talent and so much altruism and just general human kindness? Yes, you can follow me on Instagram at uim underscore Pennsylvania. If you're just interested in following me as a person uh, or as a filmmaker, my Instagram is Sarah underscore M underscore pen, which is P-E-N-N. And then if you want to connect with me on a project or just say hey and disconnect, my email is pen, P-E-N-N dot Sarah with an H dot M at gmail.com. And she is fantastic. I highly recommend her for any project that she might be a good fit for. That's everything. Thank you for being here. You've been listening to Filmmaking Actually with Coralinda, Space Dream Productions podcast. Subscribe to us on any or all the podcast platforms, but we especially recommend our sponsor, Anchor. If you like what you hear, leave us five-star ratings and positive reviews on iTunes and Stitcher. It helps more listeners like you discover the show. But the best thing you can do if you really like the show is tell a friend. Want to leave a comment or ask a question? Email at filmmakingactually at gmail.com. This is Spacey speaking, and today I asked ChatGPT to write the joke. So here it is. Why did the filmmaker refuse to use a tripod? Because they wanted to take a stand for shaky cam shots. What? And we'll see you next time. Bye.